It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think the value of professional sports in the Boston community is? Oh, it's, oh, <laughs> it's valued very highly. Everyone loves sports in Boston. Uh, any No. Anytime there's a game, like, because I take the train a lot, anytime there's a Red Sox game or, like, a hockey game, like, I know because everyone looks exactly the same. <laughs> and they're all acting. Yes. Very drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Previously in Greater Boston. Down the rabbit hole, Mr. West. Down to Wonderland. The Yard Goats. We could own it. Make a deal with the team. Commit to the stadium. Whoa. Missing person. Spray painted over the whole big red. Who's the resident? It's the Bestman's place. Do I need to show you everything? So be it. I'll show you. Those cool. You want it in character voice? Right? All right. Malden. Red Dorchester. Somerville. Like Bronx, right? Yeah, what's this? Somerville. I've never been Milton, Massachusetts. Rosendale. Boston. Medford, Massachusetts. Red Dorchester. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston, episode 29. Hit it with a tiny mallet. Gentlemen, if you even think about chasing me out of here, I will be forced to call the authorities and investigate your presence. Stinking Bishop! Go on. Call the authorities. Hmm, but they stopped. Clocks stop, but still tell time. What? I stopped them, and I can just as easily start them again. If I get bored, the security protocol hasn't been tested yet. And this seems like a perfect opportunity. Plus, from where I see it, if I let them proceed, the one serious threat preventing me from continuing my research here will be completely eliminated. Perhaps even in a grand, grotesque manner. That might be fun to watch. They're all made in your likeness. That's incredible. Wait... 
I recognize these. From the San Francisco Fire Exhibit. I recognize you. You're Emily's husband. You're Ethan. We've been losing our exits, one by one. Uh, uh, what? Oh, if only you were a simple machine and could understand code. I yearn for the time when people can be programmed. (laughs) Well, forgive the ever-blasted hack out of me. You turn me good and God-fearing. I'm missing something. Hmm, You and me both. I assume you're here to take back what's yours, but I also know you won't call the authorities. Breaking and entering and criminal trespassing is what they charge me with, possibly a few other minor misdemeanors, but if they knew the extent of what you've done... Mm, They don't. You could have been a legend, but you became a father. I beg your pardon? I'm growing more bored with every passing second of this conversation, just as I'm growing more curious about the effectiveness of my security protocol. If the authorities knew what I'd done as Oliver West, I would be in scalding hot water, yes. But Oliver West is no more. I am now... Carrington Vandermont. (laughs) A brand new identity. And a squeaky clean record. Conveniently hot waterproof. Hmm, gripping a beast by the teeth. You're no lion tamer. What exactly is that godforsaken goggler book that you insist on sputtering out every other sentence? See, if you were clever, you'd refer to my speech as something of a cryptic, you know, a cryptic tick, but you're not clever, Mr. Vandermont, was it? If you were, you'd realize you don't have a leg to stand on. The legs who own this amusement park belong to Mr. West, and as you so readily just admitted, you are no longer Mr. West, no Mr. West, no Mr. West's legs, no standing, no outrageous moral authority, and thus no call to the authorities. Nothing. Uh, You're correct. Calling the authorities would only be counterproductive in my case. That being said, there is someone else I could call to inform about your presence here. Someone, I suspect, you'd very much like to keep in the dark about your present whereabouts. Sleeping without a dream. Mm, Who is? Emily? She never asked my opinion on any of this. She just saw the opportunity and rushed right in. Uh-huh. And you rushed right out. Ah, we speak the same tongue, just at varying speeds. I quite agree. So, allow me to propose a detente to our frosty introduction and suggest something of a partnership. Why did you come back here after all? You must have known the risks involved with sneaking into your old workshop. You couldn't have possibly hoped to get that ridiculous amusement park back up and running without anyone finding out. Although I must say I did fancy your San Francisco fire reenactment. Why, thank you. The truth is, I know my creations need work. I know they're not complete yet. I knew that before we reopened Wonderland, but Emily was pressuring me about recouping our losses, so I rushed things. Mistakes were made. I felt bad when Emily told us we had to move to Redline. That's not true. I didn't feel bad. I never feel bad, but I indulged her all the same. But this is where I'm happy. In my workshop, not some tiny tin can train car bumping into the walls. I need space to tinker, space that doesn't move all the time. I need my stationary tinkering space. And once I iron out the wrinkles, my machines will never make mistakes. Can you imagine that? A world without human error? Hmm. In this moment, looking at you, I cannot. 
But I do have an idea of what to do with these fascinating little tin men of yours. And I'll put them to great use for our mutual benefit and allow you to keep your workshop here. If you help me. If is a word as wide and as deep as the sea. Mm. Far too many asses in that sentence, but pish posh. For your little tin men to be useful, we need Redline. And if we need Redline, we need Emily to win. And for Emily to win, she needs money. My money. But, as previously discussed, my reputation is tarnished, and it'll be best if there's no visible, traceable connection to Emily. Your estrangement complicates things. But... But I'm her husband, so it wouldn't look unusual for me to walk into her home with a briefcase full of your cash. Precisely. And all your little robots will soon find a home working in Redline, ensuring it ticks along like a perfectly designed clock, as meticulously mechanical as your marvelously make-believe men. So, do we have a deal? I recommend fire instead of the fool. Given your handshake, I'll take that as a yes. Oh yes, Mr. West. Oh yes, indeed. Hello, Red Linians. Thank you all for coming out today. It is an absolute pleasure to be here to see my wonderful supporters. It's fitting that my support comes from such intelligent, respectable people. The best the city of Redline has to offer. That's who you are, and I want you to know that I see you. Next week is the big week. Election day is almost here, and I'm not worried. I'm not here to ask for your vote. I know how you'll be voting. No, today I'm here to tell you about the good things waiting for you on the other side of election day. The bright future that awaits Redline. I have a grand announcement, a plan, if you will, to satisfy the big question many of you have been asking. To slake the thirst you all feel, there is one thing the people of any city need. In order to experience the full pride of place, the tribal joy of common cause, and that, my friends, is a simple thing. We need a sports team. Now, this is not a new request. Charlotte Lindsay Coolidge knows your desire. She investigated the options, drew up plans, walked right up to the edge of action, and then said, nah, never mind. Why? Why would she so blithely toss away the opportunity to make her constituents happy? We may never know. And Powell, Powell has no desire to please you at all. She said as much over and over. No, you can't have a stadium at Braintree. No, you can't have easy access to your homes and transit systems. No, you can't keep criminals locked up where they can't hurt you. Well, I have a different view of things. I believe the people of a city should be happy. I believe they should have the institutions they demand. I believe Redline should have a baseball stadium atop the Braintree Station park and ride. And not three years from now, like Linzer Coolidge's tepid plan would offer, not even two years from now, 
When I am elected mayor, stadium construction will begin immediately, and that stadium will be complete in only one year's time. It can be done. I have found the contractors to do it. I have the plans drawn up, the schedule worked out, the construction crews ready to get to work just as soon as I have the authority to give the order. And that's not all. It's all fine and good to have a stadium, but what then? What major detail has been left out of this equation, left out of Linzer Coolidge's planning? A team. A baseball team. That's right. Who is going to use the modern state-of-the-art stadium coming soon to Redline? Who will play there? Red Sox. Oh, no. Not the Red Sox. That's retrograde thinking, my friends. That's a move backwards. We are not Boston. We are Redline, and we deserve our own champions. And in that spirit, I am delighted to introduce you to my new friend, Bruce Bosley, General Manager of Connecticut's Hartford Yard Goats. Yard Goats. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Bruce Bosley, and for the last four years, I've been managing the Hartford Yard Goats a minor league baseball team from Connecticut. The Yard Goats are a great team, full of heart, full of spirit, just itching to get their chance at the big time. But there's been one problem standing in our way. We've got no stadium. We've been told time and again that a stadium is coming, yet it never does. We need a new home. This, right here, is a signed contract that becomes binding immediately upon Emily Besbin's mayoral victory. Yeah! And the terms of this contract state that upon Mayor Besbin swearing into office, the Yard Goats will officially relocate to the city of Redline yeah! to play in the new stadium at Braintree Station to be built within one year's time. That is right, my friends. If you elect Emily Bespin mayor, then one year from election day, you will be eating popcorn and sausages at the very first home game at Braintree Stadium, cheering on your very own Red Line Yard Goats! Thank you, Bruce. As you can see, we are all very happy to have you here and very excited to welcome the Red Line Yard Goats. And thank you all for coming out today. And remember, a vote for Emily Bespin is a vote for baseball! Yard Goats! Yeah! Woohoo! What's the value of professional sports in the Boston community? That's one I wouldn't be able to answer. <laughs> People love it. Fans love it, especially the Red Sox and like watching football. There will be times when riots and stuff will break out if their team, home team doesn't win or if the opposing team loses, there will be celebrations out in the streets loud enough to hear from three towns down. I felt like it plays a very huge role in the city of Boston uh, given its history of success. I think it would be one of unification, something that allows the, the city and the greater area to feel rejoiced together and or feel pain together, right. depending on the year. It reflects on how how Bostonians are winners. You know, we, we just, we're hard workers. It reflects really good about us. Uh, I don't know a lot about 
about sports. My brother lives near Fenway Park, and that's about as close as it gets. I lived next to Fenway for a while, and it was the worst because my commute would be horrible, and I wanted to ban baseball forever. <laughs> my dad really, really, really wanted me to be into sports when I was younger, and so we went out to a lot of baseball games, and I don't remember any particulars of the games, but I know that I value the memories I made with, like, my dad and my friends. Even when, like, I don't really watch sports, like, I remember getting into, like, a bit of a, a tiff with someone from New Jersey, and I was like, the Red Sox are the best. They beat a curse. In 2000, like, what have you done? I like the idea that they're actually beating a curse. Like, there's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like 2004, that. they won a World Series after Babe Ruth cast a literal spell on them? I don't know. It's hard to say because it's too expensive. So I think it excludes a lot of people. I mean, I guess the value is it's something, something for everyone to cheer on together. And that is something. But I don't think that involves everyone. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, walk me through these numbers. What are these? That's the purchase agreement for the baseball team. The Yard Goats? God, what a dumb fudging name. How about we just call them the Redline Trash Eaters? Well, sounds like Monty likes it. Monty likes goats. Charlotte's mother gave him a stuffed goat, and it's his favorite thing. (laughs) Well, at least Yard Goats isn't racist. It's better than some other cities. Does this really say they all get free train board housing? Yep. But there aren't enough vacant cars to house a whole baseball team. Not yet there aren't, and apparently she expects that to change. So that's number one. And now, number two, people love the idea of the Braintree Stadium, but nobody has seen the numbers yet. This is the revised estimate. God, I can't believe she's committing to that. It's too expensive. There's no way Redline can afford it. This can't be right. This is triple the original estimate. Your estimate was for a three-year plan. She's promised to get it done in a year. It's her top priority, and she's ready to shell out for it. She's going to bankrupt the whole fucking city! (sighs) Sorry. Yeah. Be sure this is legit. I've got a reliable CI. Who's the source? The C stands for confidential. Come on, Louisa. I have to know where this is coming from. And I need my informant to trust me if you want the information to keep flowing. I want to meet them. That's a terrible idea. Why? Are they dangerous? No, you you just really hate each other. You're too much alike. You think I hate myself. I, I didn't mean it like that. It's just some people can't really get along with people who are too similar to themselves. This would be a lot easier if I could get my information directly. Like how you got your info from dipshit Paletti? Which information? You let him out, didn't you? Dipsedoodles. Confession didn't hold up. But he still had information. He knew things. Yes. And you wouldn't have let him go if he hadn't given that information up, including the name of the man at the top, the publisher. Uh, Were you planning to share that information with me? No. 
No, we're playing that close to the vest right now. That's what I thought. Louisa. Look, I'll ask them, all right? I'll see if they're willing to meet, but nothing happens without their say-so. Fair? Fair. Do you think this is enough? The way she's throwing the city's whole future away for a baseball stadium? When we get this out, does that sink her campaign? I don't know. It'll sway some people, sure. Add in the giant question mark about how she's planning to free up the car apartments, and maybe we've got it. But voters tend to be short-term thinkers on the whole. God, this would be so much easier if Charlotte had just stayed in the fudging race. She would have won. I know she would have. But if that's not what she wants, then what good is it? Is wanting things what matters? Look, you've been doing this investigation, and you're good at it, right? you found this special skill you have. Newsflash, I dated a suspect for four uh, months. Okay, but you're good at a lot of it. Certainly the paper trail part of it. And so you have to use it, right? You can't have this amazing skill and not use it. It's a moral imperative. Oh, God, no. I mean, I was a fucking great wedding photographer. I was, but Jesus Christ, weddings? Hell if I'll ever go back to that. I mean, I've told you about Leon, right? Your ex. The same guy I tried to hire at Third Sight before I left. Yeah, well, well, that was kind of weird, but anyways, yeah, Leon. So, Leon was the best dancer I ever dated. <laughs> I don't know if it had something to do with his sense of time, or if he had every move just perfectly mapped out in his head, or what, but he, he had rhythm like you wouldn't believe. And grace, and, and perfect anticipation of his partner's movements, he... I mean, he could melt into the music like they weren't even separate things. I loved when we'd go dancing. It, it was my favorite thing to do with him. And so he'd, he'd take me, not often, but he always put it in his schedule every now and then. But here's the thing. Leon hated dancing. I mean, he absolutely loathed it. Even just being on the dance floor around all that chaos, all that spontaneous movement, that was just not... To say it was not his thing would be the understatement of a lifetime. But he did it, because he was good at it, and he knew how happy it made me. But it became an obligation, and doing it took so much out of him. It, it drained him. Every time, the day after, he'd be completely useless. He wouldn't do anything. For hours, he'd just lie in bed, staring at the ceiling, like he couldn't cope with anything less predictable than that solid blank surface, until he'd put everything inside himself back in order. I mean, I don't know. We go through life. We have all these things we have to do that we don't like. But I don't know. I think there's this whole other price to being good at something that makes you miserable. I mean, somewhere out there, somebody is the world's best shit shoveler, and that doesn't obligate him to spend his whole life shoveling shit. Still better than not being good at anything, though, isn't it? You're good at things, Gemma. Come on. Don't be melodramatic. And even if you weren't, there are plenty of people perfectly happy doing jobs they're bad at. They may not be good at it, but at least they found something they're passionate about. I don't have any passions. Not like Charlotte. She's known what she wanted to do from the time we first met. She had something in her that needed to get out. That's never been me. I never had these big dreams that everyone talks about. I just wanted to go to work and come home and take care of the people around me. Why can't that be enough? It can. For lots of people, it is. But for you, it's just not. 
If it was, you wouldn't be this unhappy. But that doesn't mean you have to chase a monumental passion. You don't need to find some grand ambition. I mean, look, becoming a private investigator was never something that deep burning need I had. It's just something I think I like doing, you know? I've been thinking. Go on. After all of this, everything. We've got nothing waiting for us, Charlotte and me. We'll need jobs. And I was thinking, if you're okay with it, maybe I could come work at your PI agency. I mean, we've already been working together, doing the same kind of thing. And I think we've liked working together. I know I have. Just makes sense. To me, at least. We'd be flipping roles, though. I mean, I'd be your boss. I can be completely fine with that. I'm open to it. I, I, I don't want to promise anything, Gemma, but because I don't even know if I'll be even be able to have employees. I mean, not at first. It's not like I've got a waiting list of clients. It's a brand new business. But if I get some clients, I mean, if their money is there, then yeah. Yeah, I'd like to keep working with you. Monty says he'd like that too. Emily sipped her vodka tonic and looked at the powered-down facsimile of a husband. His metallic arms hung off his shoulders like dying tree branches, overloaded with the weight of too many leaves, too many years. His back was nearly bent in half, his fingers scraping the floor. It reminded her of the apartment in Wonderland, surrounded by fake fire, She had thought of Ethan like one of his creations then, fake and mannequin-esque, but after living with the real thing, now she knew better. She wondered what the impulse had been, leaving this little gift behind. Was it out of spite? Did Ethan leave his cheese-loving robotic surrogate to remind her of what she hated the most about the whole Wonderland debacle? Or had he genuinely been trying to ensure she wasn't completely alone? That's probably it. Because to him, this would be some great gift. What does he know about being alone, dribbling little fool of a... Who... who are you talking to? Oh, you're still here, Nicole. Yes, where else would I be? Don't you have a dwelling of your own to scurry off to after a hard day of mooching my money away from me? Um, it's three in the afternoon. I agree with you, by the way. Ah, you agree that it's three in the afternoon? No, I agree with you about him. About that thing. Don't be fresh. Sorry. Oh, I shouldn't speak so harshly. You did well today. I mean, I did well today. You didn't do anything except place phone calls and sign some forms, you know, whatever the hireling labor involves. I did all the real work. Whoever knew that speaking this much could be so exhausting? But the idea was yours, the... What is it called again? Team ball? Baseball. The yard goats. Ugh. Having to pretend to like athletics. In public. Saying that ridiculous name with my mouth in the form of a smile. The yard goats. Excruciating fake enthusiasm. Pretending so much, that's what's really exhausting. Speaking is something I don't really have a problem with. But all that pretending... Do you know what I mean? 
Uh, well... Of course you do. I do. I honestly do. Pretending. Yes. I lost myself for a little bit there. He left me that thing, and I knew what it was, and I just... I just went with the flow for a while. The night he left, I... I had a hard time with it. It was a night just like this. It's three in the... Never mind. I came home from campaigning, and there he was, sitting just like he is now in his favorite chair, upright, smiling, turned on. He... He started lecturing me about the best kind of cheese boards for small social gatherings. And I knew right then what he was. And I searched for him, the real him. I called every number I had, contacts and friends of friends. And I drank, just like I'm drinking now, vodka tonic. I called the pathetic RLPD and reported that my shopping mall cinnamon bun sugar cake Ethan was gone. And some... Some robo-interloper was left in his place. Was this kidnapping? Some kind of intimidation move from Powell or Lindsay Coolidge? Do you know what that redline officer said to me? It's too early to file a missing person report. You need to wait at least 48 hours. Missing person? He wasn't missing. He was taken. That had to be it. He was gone. And he couldn't be gone. He couldn't be gone? Why would he be gone? Where would he go? And why would he, why would he leave me that thing? Why would he leave? So I drank. I drank and kept calling, kept searching. And eventually I found a can of spray paint in his workshop. The train was parked at the end of the line. Brain plant, is it? Brain tree. And I stepped outside my door The station was quiet, and I took a swig of my drink and spray-painted two words up and down the length of the entire car. Missing person. Wow, I, um... Oh, don't look at me as if I'm some roguish vagrant. It's my big red. It's mine to decorate however I want. My property, mine to do with as I please. And when I was done, I, I couldn't go back inside couldn't face what he left me with because that meant I would have to face what it was what it all was do you understand Nicole it wasn't just my failure I had to face it was worse than that it was a constant living reminder of my failure it was what I'd run away from those stupid fake San Francisco flames not real not hot enough to burn me but real enough to remind me that my life was going up in smoke. Emily, I'm... I'm really sorry. I... I know this isn't the same thing, but not too long before I started working for you, my... my brother died very suddenly. He was kind of like a father to me, and and I was with him when it happened. And for a long time... I pretended that I was okay. And then one day it it hit me. All that pretending I was doing, it was like a a weight I was holding up over my own head. And, And it just collapsed all over me like an avalanche. I think pretending can be good for people sometimes. But when you need to do it to make you happy, that's different. That's 
dangerous. And if that's what you're doing with this election, maybe think about switching it up. Stop pretending a little for your own sake. (laughs) Switch it up? What, be myself? Yeah, the plebes would just love that, wouldn't they? Who cares if they don't? Nicole, this is politics. Getting people to like you is how you win at team ball and become the king of the yard goats or whatever their grand title match entails. What makes you so sure that they won't like you if you just be yourself? (laughs) You know why. Not really. Please don't be dense, Nicole. It's Nika, and I think you know that, and I'm still not sure why you... Because... Nobody does. The only person who came close was Ethan, and he, he left this piece of shiny, cheese-loving trash behind. As if that was enough for me. As if it were what I deserved. Nicole. Nika. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, so. I'm 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 so I'm so I'm I'm so I'm so I'm I'm sorry about your brother. Now, get rid of this thing. I'd say burn it, but that resonates too strongly. Hit it with a tiny mallet until it's just gears and screws and sparks. Okay. Are you sure? Positively. Journey from the East has brought spoils for the spoiled. You? Ethan? Hi, honey. I'm home. And boy, do I got a hot proposition for you. You fetid china shop bull. Take shape or sweep yourself to the side. Sorry. Michael, I'm asking you one more time. Please put down the crystal ball. To be blunt, the future terrifies me. As does anything unfixed, unknown, or unpredictable. I've been keeping this from you, this memory, this feeling, this moment of my life. Tuesday, September 3rd, 5 to 5.15 p.m. Evening commute. Lessons on railroad history with the mayor of the Red Line. Inquire about the impact of the child was born before the nation existed. If we're to use your metaphor, it's the farthest drop of water in the pool in which you insist on swimming in. To veer away from established plans is unconscionable to me. A fact that may frustrate my friends, but which never supervise outing to local play facilities. You're with me now. On the roller coaster. On the world up. Look to your left and see Nika. She's smiling at you in excitement and anticipation. Exercise caution. Conditions hazardous. You see, I've done something I regret. I gave up on something important. Say goodbye to me. Like I have to. Gave up. Like I have to say goodbye to you now. I feel dread. 
in my stomach. Gave up. Nerves ready to split in half. Incorrectly. A stamp. A river. I'm thinking of ending my relationship with Louisa. Thinking of applying to Third Sight Media. Thinking of Dimitri and Nika opening Christmas presents for me when I was a child. I'm barely able to act on those plans. The few attempts I made to create order have done nothing but create more chaos. Thinking of anything orderly to minimize the unknowable anxiety I'll find at the top of this agonizing track. Incorrectly. The sound of the coaster car bumping along like a ticking clock. Incorrectly. The letter M. We're at the top, Mike. The letter M. I want you to know that I love you. Silence. Look down, but not all the way. Nothing. Just take a peek. Tomorrow. Please, look. And know just a taste of the price of my decision. The coffee. Feel it. Feel the drop. But don't drop, Michael. The coffin. The coffin. Don't drop. Drop the ball or you'll go straight down into the earth. Your roller coaster pod shattering around you and your body shattering with it. Don't drop. Go straight down. Drop the ball. Don't drop. Don't drop the ball. Drop the ball. Don't. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop. Drop the ball. The ball. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop it. Drop. Drop. Drop the ball. Drop it. Drop. Oh my God. Drop. Drop. Drop it. Go. No. 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 Go. No. Go. Oh my God. No. 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 Well, well, it appears as if someone found my letter to Nika and Dimitri. So that's a plus. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreessen, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. In order of appearance, this episode featured Mike Linden as Oliver West, Jordan Higgs as Ethan Bespin, Sam Musher as Emily Bespin, Lydia Anderson as Gemma Lindsay Coolidge, Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez, Brayden Lamb as Leanne Stamatis, Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis, and James Oliva as Michael Tate. Also featuring Kenny Garcia as Bruce Bosley, with Anthony Gian, Bridge Gian, Jesse Hall, Aaron King, Amanda McSweeney Gian, Paul Miscavige, and Jack Peavy House as cheese robots and baseball fans. Interviews recorded with Greater Boston residents. Charlie on the MTA is performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk Teedy. Drums by Jim Johansson. Broke Yeti by Ryan Estrada. On Questions of Disciplines and the Naivete of Flowers, Act 1 by Lloyd Rogers. Some sound effects and music used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. Episode transcripts will be posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. Special thanks to our Greater Bostonian-level patron, Bridge, who also appeared in this episode and edits the fantastic audio drama Tides. Check it out. And very special thanks to our sponsor, Porter Square Books. Remember to take 20% off with coupon code GREATER18 at portersquarebooks.com. Buy someone you love a new book, even if that someone is you. I wish that had been the choice I made for Ethan now, that all of Ethan's lines were like that. Like, right. Schwarzenegger? Get out! I stopped him and I could just as easily start them again! If I get bored! The security protocols haven't been tested yet! This seems like a perfect opportunity! <laughs>
It's almost Marvin the Martian. There's a little bit of Marvin the Martian in there. It's from Wales. We've been losing our eggs. It's one we'd by have, one. We'd have to re-record everything else we did, but I'm still tempted. But it might be worse to do it this way. Do it this way. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Where am I? Welcome to Desert Skies, Traveler. Your journey through the physical plane has come to an end. I am the attendant. My colleague here is the mechanic. Yo. This is your last stop on your way to the great beyond. It's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride. Now, before hitting the road, we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what? What's going on? There's got to be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on! Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong with me. You left something major undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interests? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane, the people you left behind. You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find Desert Skies wherever you listen to podcasts.